If you want to grab your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue in our study through this gospel. And title of the sermon this morning is just simply Family Talk. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture and, and a family situation that I think is going to encourage us and equip us and help us as parents to understand our calling and, and how we can point our children uh, toward Jesus. And so we're going to talk about the family. And as you're finding your place there, and we've mentioned children, I think we can all agree that children can be really good teachers. In fact, one of the biggest things that children have a tendency to teach us is that parenting is one tough job. Just think about the enormity of what it means to be a parent. Think about the job description that goes along with that. Several years ago, I came across a, a funny job posting that, that talked about parents and, and what it means to be a parent. And so I want you to just listen to this for just a moment. It says, long-term player needed for challenging permanent work in a chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts. Some overnight travel is required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and Endless sports tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses are not reimbursed. You must keep this job for the rest of your life and be willing to be hated, at least temporarily. You must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly and possess the physical stamina of a pack mule. You must be willing to tackle stimulating technical challenges as of gadget repairs, sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. You must handle assembling and product safety testing, as well as floor maintenance and janitorial work. You must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, coordinate production of multiple homework projects. You must ha also have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and levels of maturity. You must be willing to be indispensable one minute and a complete embarrassment the next. You must assume final and complete accountability for the quality of the end product. There's no possibility for advancement. Your job is to maintain the same position for years without complaining. So those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. No previous experience required, but on-the-job training is offered on continual, exhausting basis. Although you will receive no financial compensation, you must pay those in your charge, offering frequent wages and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 and attend college, and when you die, you give them whatever income you have left. Kind of sums up what it means to be a parent, at least in part. Uh, and it's not easy when you think about what it means to be a parent. It's not easy raising your children. It takes a, a lot of concentration, takes a lot of focus, takes a lot of hard work. In fact, often the way you learn is through failure. It's in that moment when things did not turn out like you had planned, that you feel like a failure. If you're a parent, if you're a mom, your dad, you know what that feeling is when you failed and you feel that failure. But as we round out Luke chapter 2 this morning, I believe what we're going to see here is we're going to see Joseph and Mary in a similar situation where they failed. They've worked hard to raise Jesus in a godly fashion. They've worked hard to provide a, a good home and to teach him God's word and to instill their faith in his heart. In fact, they had just been to Jerusalem for an important holiday, but somehow on the return trip back to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph lost the Son of God. So let's read this story and listen to their family talk. Look with me, look with me, excuse me, into Luke chapter 2. Let's begin reading in verse 39. It says, And when they had performed everything, that is, Joseph and Mary there in Jerusalem, picking up from where we ended last week, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. 
And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us, treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in statue and in favor with God and with man. Luke tells us here, it's just an interesting story. It's an incredible story. But Luke tells us here that after Joseph and Mary had finished the ceremonial requirements, going back to the early part, verse 39, what we were reading. After they had finished all the ceremonial requirements of the law, after Jesus was born, uh, the circumcision and, and, and all of that, they returned to Nazareth. See, the only thing shared about his life uh, over the next 12 years was that he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We don't know anything else about the early life of Jesus. And so what we do know from that little bit is that during those years, Jesus developed physically. He developed mentally, developed socially, he developed spiritually. He was a normal young boy. And it's, you see, in his incarnation, the Son of God set aside the independent use of his own divine attributes, and he submitted himself completely to the Father. He, he didn't perform any miracles as a boy. He was just a boy. But instead, he worked with Joseph. He worked with Joseph, Mary's husband there in the carpenter shop. And, and probably most likely after Joseph died, he's the one who ran that shop. But the one story that we do know of from Jesus' youth, from his childhood, involved the family's journey to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. Now, we know from Deuteronomy 16, 16, that the law required men, Jewish men, to travel to Jerusalem for worship three times a year. And many times those men would carry their families with them during the feast of Passover because that was the most important Jewish ceremony on their calendar. And so families would, would, would travel to Jerusalem. They would travel together in caravans, large caravans with the women and children out front kind of setting the pace. And they would go to Jerusalem to worship during that week, and then they would travel back to their homelands. And that's what Mary and Joseph and their family are doing on this trip. And so as they're traveling back to Jerusalem, Luke tells us that they get a day's journey in and they realize Jesus is not with them. He had decided to stay behind and spend time with the priests there in the temple. And so uh, apparently Mary and the, the other mothers in the caravan were not helicopter moms that we might have today. You've probably heard that term before. Uh, we, we know they're not helicopter moms because they have no idea where Jesus is and they don't know he's missing until that evening. And so each parent probably assumed that he was with the other and they get to the end of the day and they begin to gather together and start dinner. And all of a sudden, no one knows where Jesus is. Uh, can you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine being there, just kind of being 
present. Maybe you're the fly that's on the, 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 the edge of the tent. You're watching this whole scene take place. You're observing this conversation. I would have loved to have been there when Joseph and Mary discussed where Jesus is and whose fault it was. Picture this with me. Where's Jesus? Well, I don't know. I don't know where Jesus is. I thought he was with you. No, I've not seen him since we left. Well, I thought you had him. Mary, you've lost the son of God. I thought you had him. Where? How did you lose Jesus? I didn't lose him. You did. Are you not the leader of our family? That's the conversation I picture going on in the tent as they're getting ready for dinner, preparing for the night, and they realize that Jesus, the Son of God, is missing. Well, whatever blunder you've made as a parent, and let's be honest, if you're a parent today, you've made many blunders. So whatever blunder you've made as a parent, be encouraged this morning. You've never lost the Son of God, right? You've never lost the Son of God. So we can learn from Joseph and Mary and this situation here. And in fact, Luke tells us that four days later, it took four days for them to find Jesus. And when they found him, he was in the temple setting with the priest. He'd been discussing spiritual matters with them. Now, we don't know if he was there the whole time. We're just speculating. He, it could have been, it could have been that Jesus got sidetracked. He's a preteen. He's a, you know, in that, in that delicate age where uh, you get distracted easy and, and maybe he got distracted and, and wandered off when everybody's kind of getting ready to leave and, and head north. And so he, found himself on the streets of Jerusalem with no parents, no caravan, and he's trying to figure out what what he needs to do next. And so what does he do? He goes to the one place he's most comfortable with in the city of Jerusalem, and that is the temple. And so let's look at this family talk and see what we can learn from it. Uh, even though it seems like Joseph and Mary may have committed the unpardonable sin, as I read this, um, that kind of comes to the forefront that if there's anything that, that Joseph and Mary would be scrutinized for by God the Father, it's losing God the Son. And so even though it may seem that they've committed the unpardonable sin by leaving Jesus behind, I believe we can learn some good lessons on parenting from the way they raise Jesus. And so as we relate this story to our own families, here's what I want you to understand. The goal for Christian parents is to raise healthy, wise, and godly children. So Christian parents, with that in mind, Christian parents position themselves to raise healthy, wise, and godly children by doing three things. Number one, by vibrantly walking with God. We raise godly, healthy, and wise children by vibrantly walking with God. Here's a question for us. How did Jesus end up in the temple on his own? Well, you might say, well, he wandered off or he got left behind. He didn't, didn't know where to go. Yeah, that's that's true. But let's go a little deeper than that. I believe the reason and the way Jesus ended up in the temple is because it was started with Joseph and Mary. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean this. It was started with Joseph and Mary's vibrant walk with God. See, we've already seen their commitment to the Lord. We've already seen their commitment to the Lord's word when they named their boy Jesus. We've already seen their commitment as they had him circumcised and then they redeemed him according to the law. We saw that last Sunday. Now we see their worship continued as they travel to Jerusalem every single year for the Feast of Passover. So Joseph and Mary were not casual, nominal followers of God. No, these were individuals. These were parents who possessed a real and a vibrant walk with God, and they modeled that in front of Jesus Christ. That's an awesome thing. 
We need to vibrantly walk with God as Christian parents. Uh, see, as Christian parents, we have really one major and overriding responsibility. We're to model a vibrant walk with God in front of our children in such a way that it draws them and leads them and gives them the, the desire to want to follow God themselves. And so it begins with you. It begins with you and your walk with God. And that walk with God begins with you coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior and trusting him as such. See, it's not just enough to be religious. It's not just enough to go through religious motions. It's not just enough to be nominal, casual in our commitment to Christ. No, we need to be in Christ, knowing him as Lord and Savior, and then walking with him. And then it continues as you read God's word, as you know God's word, as you obey God's word. That's what it means to vibrantly walk with him. We also need to spend time in prayer and participate in the church. Those are spiritual disciplines. Those are things we must be involved in as we passionately want to know God and walk with him. You see, a vibrant walk with God grows as you spend time daily time with the Lord in prayer and weekly with the church. Those things are important to your spiritual life. Uh, and when you think about that, when you think about these disciplines that we need, if we're going to vibrantly walk with God, we need to understand we're not going to fall into that. It's not something that you just kind of fall into. It's not something that just comes by chance. No, it takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. It is costly to be a disciple of Jesus. It's costly to vibrantly walk with God, but the benefits are worth it. Amen? I think if we can agree with that. If you know Jesus, if you're vibrantly walking with God, you can tell us this morning, it is worth the sacrifice. And so this morning, how's your walk with God? On this inclement Sunday, how's your walk with God? Would you describe it? Could you describe it as vibrant? If that's what you want, but it's not what you have, what do you do? Well, here's some encouragement. Just begin where you are. What's the next step you need to take? Figure that out. Where am I spiritually? Where am I in my walk with God? And, and, and so you got to know where you are and then take the next step, right? Maybe you need to start reading your Bible. Maybe you need to start obeying what you're reading in the Bible. Maybe you need to make prior, prayer a, a greater priority in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you need to recommit yourself to the Lord's church and gathering with the church on a regular basis, participating, serving. I don't know what your next step is, but whatever it is, you need to take the next step. Uh, here's some something that you need to do as well. Share those difficulties, or, or I should say deficiencies uh, in your spiritual life with the Lord. Take them to the Lord. Say, Lord, here's where I'm at. This is what I, I sense in my heart. This is where I sense in my spirit of where I'm at spiritually. It's not where I want to be, but this is where I'm at. And just share that with the Lord. He already knows it to begin with. And ask him to help you to take the next step so that you can develop a vibrant walk with him. But I believe as Christian parents, this is our first step in raising healthy and wise and godly children. But the second step as a Christian parent who want to raise those kind of children is to responsibly walk with our children. So Christian parents who want to raise healthy and wise and godly children responsibly walk with their children. Think about Joseph and Mary again. Uh, they were a good model for Jesus to look at. They, they were a good model for Jesus to see what a vibrant walk with the Lord actually looked like. Uh, they, however, did more than just walk with God. You say, well, how could you do more than that? Well, yeah, they walked with God, and that's important, but they also tried to walk with their son and their children and to bring the two together. And so they walked with Jesus. They, they watched over him. They protected him. Now, obviously, 
they they were not pro or they were not flawless in their oversight. They were not flawless in their protection because as we read here in Luke chapter two, they lost him, right? They they leave Jerusalem, they don't even know he's not with them. They travel a whole day and he's still not with them. So they were not flawless in that. So we ought to be encouraged because we're not flawless either. Uh, but what we read here is that when they understood he wasn't with them, they didn't stop looking until they found him in the temple. Here, here's the encouragement for you. Sometimes responsible parenting is better seen in how you respond to your failings than in your successes. So what are we learning from how we fail? And what are we learning from the blunders that we're making? Joseph and Mary responded to this danger with parental care, with urgency, and with love. I believe as we look at this passage that we can delineate that they watched over his life to protect him from dangers, right? Uh, of course, they watched over Jesus to protect him from physical dangers. I'm sure they were just like parents today uh, in their setting, in their culture. They baby-proofed their home when Jesus was brought back. Uh, Joseph probably didn't let Jesus hang out and, or uh, play around with saws and hatchets and hammers, things from the shop in his crib, right? Because those are dangerous to a little baby. Uh, that, that's a given. But perhaps more importantly, these parents sought to protect Jesus emotionally and, and socially and spiritually. They didn't allow him to be exposed to things that would hurt him in those areas. They watched over and protected him. They were walking with their children. And so as Christian parents, we need to realize that one of the best gifts we can give our children is a godly home, a place that it's safe, loving, and holy. We need to provide strong discipline, correction when they misbehave and when they mess up. We need to set parameters for them. We cannot and should not and must not allow the kids to set the parameters. We're the parents. And so we need to set those parameters, just like Joseph and Mary did for their children, for baby Jesus. They set parameters there. We need to be aware of who our children's friends are and be willing to step in if a friend is not a good influence in their life. I'm not trying, or I'm not talking about trying to, to be your kid's best friend, right? We don't want to be our kid's best friend. We want to be their friend, but that's not the calling on our lives. Uh, we're not called or tasked to be our children's best friend. But what I'm talking about here as we talk about walking with our children is, is the idea that we understand God has entrusted us as Christian parents with the responsibility of being their parents, being their leaders. And so we are going to lead our children, protecting, providing, and pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so that brings us to a third thing. So Christian parents, if we want to uh, raise and bring up healthy and wise and godly children, we're going to walk with them. But thirdly, we're going to intentionally help our children discover their purpose. Okay. We're going to help them discover their purpose. Again, going back to the passage here, it shouldn't surprise us to learn that when Joseph and Mary found Jesus, he was in the temple. It shouldn't surprise us. Uh, they found him in the one place they'd intentionally always took him. That, that's what I want you to see here. Jesus was in the place that he was most comfortable being in the city of Jerusalem because they, every year, for 12 years, they've taken him to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. It was a place of worship. It was a place of teaching. And so as Jesus sat there with the priests and he's discussing spiritual matters, they're amazed at his answers. Now, obviously, he's God the Son. Uh, he, he's growing into that purpose. He's growing into that identity that he has as God the Son incarnate in human flesh. So when Mary found Jesus, though, 
she couldn't help but sound like a mom. I don't know if you picked that up when we read through the passage. She couldn't help but sound like a mom. Basically, she asked Jesus this, son, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be with us. What are you doing here? Why aren't you in the caravan? But look how Jesus responded there in, in verse 49. He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? In that sentence, the 12-year-old boy demonstrates profound understanding of his identity and of his purpose. So how did Jesus arrive at this understanding of his purpose? How did Jesus come to this place in his life where he's sitting there in the temple and his mom is asking him, what are you doing here? And he says, why shouldn't I be here, right? I have to be in my father's house. I believe the answer is found in Joseph and Mary's commitment to intentionally help Jesus discover his purpose. Christian parents, it's our responsibility to give our children the proper coordinates for how to live and to discover their purpose. We need to show them what to say yes to. Now, as Christians, oftentimes we're known for being what we're against, the no's. I think we need to be known for the yeses in our life. Here's some yeses that we need to to delineate for our children and point them in the right direction. They need to be able to say yes to Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. They need to know that they should and, and, and must say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Understanding their sin, understanding their brokenness, understanding their separation from God, and understanding that Jesus is the hope for their life. They, they need to, to, to say yes to a vibrant walk with Jesus, not just nominal, not just I want to pray a prayer and, and have my sins forgiven, but then I want to go live like I want. No, a vibrant walk with Jesus. They need to know that they can and should say yes to that. They need to, to, to know to say yes to a, living a holy life, that, that God's called us to be sanctified, that God's called us to be separate, that God's called us to be holy, and that's something that we should desire and want and, and strive after. They need to know to say yes to finding community within the church. And we were built for community. We long for community. We're seeking community all the time. But our children need to know that the community God has built them for is in the local church. It's in God's house. It's in the body of Christ. That's important. So it means as parents, we got to model that. We can't expect our children to love the church and be a part of the church and grow in the church if we don't ever bring them to be a part of the church. They need to be able to say yes to marriage and to family. Uh, we need, as Christian parents, to, to prioritize that, to embrace that, because that's what God's called us to do. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth or in Genesis 1. That's what we're about. Marriage and the family is the first institution we see in all of creation. And then they need to be able to say yes to an unreserved, unapologetic, and unashamed love for God. Just completely sold out, just completely given over to the love of God and the call of God upon their life. You cannot, I want you to hear this, you cannot and you will not help them discover their purpose by allowing them to chase the passions of their own hearts. Now, there's nothing wrong with allowing them to do things that they love and the things that they enjoy. That, those are good things. But as parents, we have to put parameters. But as parents, we have to guide them and direct them to the most important things. So parents, we must not raise kids that are committed to anything and everything in the world except the one thing that matters, and that's God. We must intentionally direct their hearts to Jesus by regularly sharing the gospel and calling them to respond to the gospel. We must read and study the Bible together. We must spend time praying together, serving together, participating in the life of the church together, directing, guiding, 
intentionally leading our kids to walk with God. Our children need to know that they're made by God and for God. They need to know this is their purpose, and they cannot know that unless we guide them. They're not going to just find that on their own, most likely. We need to guide them in that direction, intentionally walking them in that direction. Children are great teachers. They really are. Many times what we learn from them is, is how poorly we are doing as parents. I think Jesus is, is modeling that for Joseph and Mary in this passage. Too often the bad traits, though, is we see them in our kids. It's like almost like we're looking in the, in the mirror. Uh, we understand and we realize that the things that we're seeing in them, the bad things and that we're disappointed in, are the very things that are a part of our own lives. The truth is we want so much for our children. We want them to live fuller and richer and easier and more satisfying lives than our than ours are or were. We we want them to be more successful. We want them to go further than we ever did, and that's probably why we spend so much time. That's why we spend so much money running them around at dance competitions and softball tournaments and football camps and any else that anything else that catches their eye. But please hear me this morning. Those things are good, right? I, we're not speaking against those things. I love those things. I did those things as a, a, a as a teenager and as a child. Uh, I'm doing those things now as a parent with my own children. Those things are good. They're just not great. Uh, they make a poor God. They're temporal. They're not eternal. And so Christian parents, we need to teach our children something far more greater and far more lasting than how to succeed at football and dance. We need to teach them how to become an uncompromising disciple for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember that our goal is to raise healthy and wise and godly children. It's a tall order. It's one that will require everything you and I have to offer as parents. In fact, you will not be able to accomplish it yourself. However, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, if you're chasing after him, if you've got a vibrant walk with God, then he will empower you to steer your children toward the Lord. And so where are you at today? What's your walk with the Lord like? What's your next step need to be? I don't know what that is. And so let's take some time to ask the Lord to show us what that next step may be. Maybe it's you putting your faith in Jesus Christ turning to him as Lord and Savior. Maybe that is you as, a, as an adult. You need that in your life. Maybe you're sitting here and, and you're not a parent. Maybe you're a teenager or a child, and that's the greatest need in your life. Give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you need to take a step of, uh, of obedience and a step in discipleship as a Christian and, and begin to recommit yourself to the Lord. Maybe you need to confess sin or whatever that needs to be. Let's take some time. Let's just pray and ask the Lord, to guide our hearts, to direct us so that we can be all that God wants us to be, all that he's called us to be, and, and definitely those of us as parents to be more intentional, more engaged, more tuned in, more intentional when it comes to raising and rearing our children so that they can grow up and be healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, obviously, but spiritually healthy, wise, and godly children for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you uh, for your blessing upon our life. And ultimately, that blessing is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us, who's care, who cares for us, who, who's demonstrated that love on the cross as he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven and be given new life. 
And this morning, I, I thank you for the life that I enjoy in Christ, the life that so many here listening and, and tuning in this morning enjoy in Jesus Christ. But Father, there's probably some who do not have that life. And today you're calling and drawing them to yourself. And I pray that you would help them to respond in faith and in repentance, trusting you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for Christian parents, especially Christian parents who, who, who want to raise their children to love you. God, they want to see their kids be all that you've called them to be. So Lord, help them to identify whatever status they have as Christian parents. Lord, maybe they're doing a great job, but there's these areas they could do differently. Maybe, Lord, they just look back and they kind of assess their parenting job or their uh, abilities right now. They just feel very poor. Uh, They feel like they're not doing a good job. God, help them to realize where they're at, be encouraged, and to take that next step, whatever it may be, trusting you and relying upon your power, your, your, your leadership, your guidance in their life. But Father, we want to glorify you. We want to serve you. We want to be a blessing to you so that you can use us in our communities, in our schools, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods. Lord, anywhere you so choose uh, to help other people find Christ as well. Lord, thank you for the gift of children and the blessing there are in our lives. Help us as Christian parents uh, to be committed to pointing them to Jesus Christ, much like Joseph and Mary did pointing Jesus to the purpose and the identity of his life, helping him find that even as a young boy. We thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Continue to speak into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. Hope you have a great, great day. We'll see you next week. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you want to know more about our church, please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.